On this episode of Building Your Wealth Muscle, this is a solo podcast because I wanted to sit down before the end of the year and give you tax strategies on how you can lower your taxes as a fit pro for 2021. So on this episode, it's going to be 10 tips that, again, specifically tailored to you as a fitness professional can use in your business to help lower your taxes. I'm going to get into some strategies on what you could do to actually strategically increase your taxes. You might be thinking, why would I want to do that? You have to stay tuned and listen because there's there's opportunities this year that may go away. So I'm doing my best to give you as much as I possibly can before the year end. I'll say it again in the podcast, but you must listen to this because tax planning is December and November. It is not March and April. So enjoy these 10 tax tips. Hopefully you can use them and they're really helpful. And guys, please share the show if it's it's helpful to you. I would really appreciate it. You guys, have a great day and enjoy the show. Welcome to Building Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast about building and protecting wealth for online health and fitness coaches. Each episode, we're going to break down different topics in the areas of business, finance, and tax, and how they pertain to your coaching business. Disclaimer. The topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, fitness entrepreneurs? On today's episode, it's a solo episode, and that's because I really wanted to go over with you guys what is the most important part of the year, in my opinion, which is tax planning. Now, I want to first take a step back for those who are unfamiliar with tax planning and explain what it is, because there's there's tax filing or tax preparation, and then there's tax planning. Tax preparation or tax filing, that's what you're familiar with in April. You sit down with your tax preparer, your accountant, whoever it is, and you file your taxes. Typically, all they're doing at that stage for you is recording history. What happened in the previous year? This is what you owe. Pay it. Goodbye. There's a handful of things you can do to make that a better or worse number. But for the most part, what's done is done. That's tax filing, tax preparation. Same thing. Tax planning is the process of legally, strategically finding ways to move your tax bill up or down. Now, you might think, why would you ever want to pay more taxes? I'm going to get into that in a second. But let me first give you the misconception of tax planning for those who are familiar with it. A lot of people think the purpose of tax planning is to pay as little tax as possible this current year. And that's wrong because the goal is to pay less taxes over your lifetime. So there's a there's an art to this more than a science per se in that no one knows where taxes are going to be in 30 years. Quite frankly in 2021 when we and I'm recording this, no one knows what taxes are going to be in 2022. Um, so the goal is to pay less taxes over a lifetime. So that could mean in certain years you're strategically paying more to have a lower tax bill in the future. 
So that's that's really the purpose of tax planning. Like you need to be in the current year because on December 31st at midnight, the vast majority of your tax strategies are done. So if you're just meeting with your accountant in March or April and you think you're doing tax planning, you're wrong because you're missing out on a huge amount of strategies. Today, we're going to go over 10 of them that you as a fitness professional have the opportunity to use. Now, before we dive into these, um, I want to make it clear, this, just as a disclaimer, I'm going to go over some of these and a lot of these have components to it like record keeping, documentation, things that need to be compliant with the IRS. And again, this is, this is what tax preparers are excellent at. So you come up with the strategy with or without them, but whether they are integral in planning for you and strategically lowering or increasing your tax bill, then you still need that person in theory. Again, if, if they're not, if you don't think they're helpful, you consider replacing them. But everything we're going to talk about today, I'm going to say flat, you should have a tax professional helping you with this because you're an entrepreneur and again, most of the people listening here, you're a fitness entrepreneur, your tax strategies are complex. So you should, well, I shouldn't say all of them, but many of them, they may be simple to get the deduction, but there's complexity on documentation, record keeping. And more importantly, you want to look at as many strategies as you possibly can. Um, and I think all business owners should be working with a tax professional. There's just too much going on. I think the tax code has changed three times in the last 18 months. So even tax professionals are struggling to keep up with all the nuances. Um, so you, as someone not in the tax space, um, may find it even extra challenging and potentially not the best use of your time as you're helping your clients and growing your business. So I'm going to get into 10 strategies today that are going to be specifically applicable to you as a fitness coach. Um, and again, can't emphasize enough. Take this information to your tax professional and say, hey, how does this specifically apply to me? Because there's phase outs. There's all these different rules. Some of, some of the rules are simple. Some of the rules have complexity to it. Um, but again, this is the U.S. tax code. You know, People got up in arms about what happened with Trump and his apparently paying almost no taxes. This is the same tax code. So there's opportunities for you out there. So here we go. We have, we have 10 Let's dive right in. Um, and I'm going to sort of explain how you should be thinking of tax planning and how it all weaves together. So the first one is personal expenses. Look at what personal expenses are legitimate business expenses. So here's, here's a handful. Um, your cell phone. If you're using that for business, a percentage of it should be in the business because it's legitimate. Same with your laptop. Same with whatever your camera whatever you're using for your content production. Again, these are legitimate business expenses that you can be pulling into the business. Again, speak with your tax professional because in theory, it's not 100% used for business. You're probably using it personally as well. Come up with some sort of fair percentage, but turn that into a business expense to lower your uh, taxes. Um, and the other personal expense, your gym clothes. Now, again, this one, you have the ability to write off your gym gear if you're willing to turn it into marketing merchandise. So you have to, to do so, you would have to put your logo 
in a prominent position on the gear. So again, that doesn't mean something small on like the inside of the pant leg or something that won't fly. But if you're willing to turn your, your gym gear into promotional merchandise, you can turn those personal expenses into a marketing expense and thus deductions. The second uh, topic, meals. So, and this is even better for 2021 because typically it's 50% deduction, but because of COVID, they gave everyone 100% just for 2021. Um, so actually I might maybe 2022 as well, but for the purpose of this, I should double check that, but it's definitely for 2021. Um, but think outside the box here, because again, if you have, this has to be business related. So if you're having a business meeting, a business conference, whatever it is, you can deduct it as the business owner, but think outside the box on this one, because if you have friends of yours that are helping you with content production or Maybe they're on your team. Maybe they help you with sales. Whatever it is, if they're contractors for you or an employee in your business, it's a legitimate business expense to sit down with them for dinner and talk about the business. So again, meals with your friends that are helping you, that are legitimately helping you with your business, that's a write-off. Um, and again, I'll say this probably 20 times in this podcast, talk to your accountant because there's record keeping. You have to talk, you have to write down who was there, what you talked about. Like you have to, you have to document this stuff. It can't just be, uh, don't, don't take it lightly is what I'm saying. Cause if you, you ever, are ever audited for all of this, you have to prove that it's legitimate business. The third one, your vehicle. So there's, there's a lot of complexity in the vehicle deduction, but get yourself a mileage tracking app. I like mile IQ. It's from Microsoft. Um, that's the one I personally use. I recommend it to clients. Um, I think it's like $5 a month, something like that. And it's pretty cool because it just, it runs in the background of your phone. So when you're driving, it picks up your mileage and you just have to, it's like swiping on Tinder. It's, you go left for personal, right for business. Um, I'm serious. It's, it's as simple as swiping. All you have to do is keep track of when you are not in your vehicle. Like if you're in an Uber or a friend's car or out for a jog, it might grab those as mileage for you. So you just delete those out. But a mileage tracking app is huge because again, if you're going to meet a business associate or a client or you're driving to a mastermind event, those are business mileage. So a percentage of your vehicle can be written into the business. Um, and depending on where you live and what you drive, that could be very significant, even if it's only 20% of your vehicle or 40%. If Depending on what you drive and where you live, um, that could be very, especially if you're in California where the, what their gas prices are right now, that could be a meaningful percentage of deduction. Um, all right, number four, your home office. So I'll say one thing about this at the end, but basically, if you run your business out of your home office, you need to be able to make sure it's exclusive use. Um, some accountants will disagree on this, what that, what it means by exclusive use. Um, so you shouldn't have your office in your kitchen or your bedroom, but if you are using a guest bedroom for your home office, the percentages of everything that, in, that encompasses that. So if it's 20% of your entire house, then you can deduct 20% of your utilities, 20% of the Wi-Fi. 
um, all these certain things that you can deduct outside of, again, if you're renting or owning, um, then it would be a percentage of those costs. Now, one caveat, and uh, again, I'll say it again, speak with a professional. If you have an S-Corp, this works a little bit differently in that you have to have the business reimburse you for the rent. So all I'm going to say is that it, whether you're an S-Corp or a traditional LLC that's not taxed as an S-Corp, you can use this deduction. But again, speak with your tax professional and say, hey, this is my situation. Make sure I'm doing it right. And then they'll, they know what they're doing. This is easy for them. All right, number five, this is pre prepaid expenses. So you have the ability, of, again, this is if you're sitting there in the tax year saying, okay, for whatever reason, I had an amazing year. Um, maybe you had a lot of clients come in in November and December and you're like, okay, I need to get my tax bill down for X, Y, or Z. You may look at what you have to pay next year. So if you do lease an office, um, let's say you have a 12-month lease, then you could potentially prepay the next 12 months. Now, again, I, I purposely said 12 months because there is a rule there that you cannot extend this. You can't pay the next five years worth of expense. It doesn't work that way. Um, but again, like some of your, <clears throat> excuse me, some of your insurance premiums for the next 12 months, um, if you have coaching programs that you know you're going to sign up for in like March of next year, if they're already open for business, prepay it now. Again, if you need to get some expenses down. And this is, this is what I'm talking about with strategically looking at taxes because let's say you know for a fact that this year was a, a phenomenal year for whatever reason and you're trying your best to get your income down. This is where you'd say, okay, let me prepay 2022 expenses into 2021, whatever I can do to pay less taxes right now. Um, especially let's say you're considering a home purchase. A lot of tax strategy like that we're talking about now, lowering your tax bill could work against you. If you're trying to buy a million dollar house next year, they want, they might be looking at your current tax return and be like, oh, geez, you only made X. Like in your, in your mind, you're like, well, my business did way more than that. But I sat down with Pat and we found a lot of tax deductions. If you're trying to buy a home that could work against you. Um, so keep that in mind that, again, when we say strategically pay less over your lifetime, that's why. You may not want to use a strategy when you have a bank about to look at your income. So you might say, all right, I'll, I'll pay a lot more tax. Currently, next year, I'll keep all the expenses because I've already purchased the property um, and then I don't care. And then I want to pay as little tax as possible. So again, this is why I'll harp on this a million times. This is why you need a professional looking at it because it's not a one-stop shop. If you go into Google and say, how do I pay less tax? You're going to find a lot of opportunities and tips and strategies, but you may not have someone who understands what you're actually trying to do and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said you have, you're about to buy a million dollar home. Your tax return shouldn't be the lowest it's been in years because of all these amazing strategies because you have to prove income. So Again, this is why it's helpful to look at the big picture and not just zoom in on every uh, uh, strategy and loophole. But, um, but let's keep going. Again, so that one, number five, is prepaid expenses. Now, number six, health insurance. So everyone listening to this is self-employed. So as a self-employed person, the premiums for your health insurance 
are deductible. So make sure you're aware of that. You know, the business can pay for it. Um, it's very simple there. Um, again, there's a little caveat. If you are an S-Corp, uh, make sure that these health insurance premiums are, they're made aware of to whomever is doing your payroll. So if you're using Gusto, I like Gusto. I personally use it for myself and my clients. Um, you just have to make sure those, those insurance premiums are inside of your W-2. Um, I won't get into the details of that, but same scenario. That's what you need to do, including your payroll, if you are an S-Corp. If you're not and you're just a traditional LLC or a sole proprietor, um, I hope you're not a sole proprietor. If you're listening to this, I hope you've incorporated at least into an LLC, but that's a topic for another day. But the point is, all of these scenarios, S-Corps, LLCs, um, you can use this health insurance premium deduction. Now, the second part of health insurance is what you pay out of pocket. So whether that is for prescriptions, going to see the doctor, um, whatever the case may be. Most people don't get those tax deductions. Now, we're not talking, these aren't business deductions anymore that we're talking about when we just switched over to out-of-pocket costs. These refer to, excuse me, those refer to the, the personal side of taxes. So most individuals, the way the tax code's written now, most individuals are not itemizing which means when you sit down with your accountant in April, they're most likely giving you a standard deduction. I think that's, I think the statistics are like 87% of Americans are taking the standard deduction. So it's safe for me to say you're probably taking the standard deduction. So I tell you that because the medical deductions for out-of-pocket costs, like, oh, I went to my doctor, it was $100. I went to the emergency room, it was $500, whatever it is. Those don't even kick in except on your itemized deductions form. And again, most people aren't using that. So you're not getting those deductions. And those deductions don't even kick in until you've cleared 7.5% of your income. So brief example there, if you make $200,000 a year, 7.5% of that is 15 grand. So if you had $15,001 of medical expenses, you get to deduct $1. It's pretty crappy. So most people don't use any of their medical deduction, even though every year they probably like, here you go, accountant. I went to CVS. I paid $100 there. I went to the doctors. That was like $1,500. Here you go. And then they write it all down and you don't use it. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I want to use it, glad you asked. There's something called a health savings account, HSA plans. That gives you the ability to deduct every dollar up to a certain amount. I think it's uh, $3,600 for 2021 is the amount that you can deduct. Sorry, I'm looking it up real quick. Well, yes, you can contribute as a single individual, $3,600, as a family, $7,200. So which gives you the ability in that same exact scenario, again, you let's say you're making $200,000 a year as a single individual, if you are just using regular health plans, you can't deduct it. If you, if you have a health savings account, you can make that deduction. You can deduct 
Um, I'm not going to spend a lot more time on the HSA because I could spend an entire episode on it in that the only things that are triple tax free, that you put the money in, it's a deduction. You pull the money out, there's no penalty if it's long as it's a qualified medical expense. The money can grow tax-free. So if you are investing your HSA and you never use it while you're young and healthy, fast forward to when you're in your 60s, you can use your HSA to pay your Medicare premiums, which as I'm recording this today, are not cheap, especially if you're a high-income earner, which everyone listening to this podcast will be a high earner in retirement because they're saving their money, they're investing it, and they're building wealth. So their medical premiums are going to be high because it's based on how much income is flowing into your tax return. So in 40 years, when we are talking about it, you'll be happy you did this. Now, number seven, six was health insurance and the HSA. Number seven, consider a retirement plan for your business. Now, this is where we really circle back to what I said in the beginning. Your goal is to save on taxes over a lifetime, not in, not specifically in any given year. Now, here's a huge misconception that's out there, and it's mostly perpetuated by Wall Street and the guys and gals that you'll meet at the big financial firms. The fallacy that they're going to shove at you is that take all the deductions you want when you're young because when you're old, um, you're going to be in the lowest tax brackets. That's crap. And that's not even anyone's goal. No one's like, no, it'd be great if I can make a ton of money when I'm young and then make no money and be and have very little income when I'm retired. The people listening here are looking to build wealth. So when you're old and retired, you may have a business that you're still owning. You may have lots of real estate. You may have all of your portfolio of stocks paying you hundreds of thousands of dollars in dividend and interest. So you're not hitting that point in your life when you are lower in income. That's a fallacy. And quite frankly, depending on where you are with your fitness business right now, this might be where you're low. Like you might be like, oh, I'm only making 150 grand, but the way we're growing in 10 years, I'm going to be making a million dollars. When I retire, I'm going to have $10 million in assets or 20 or whatever the case may be. So when we're talking about retirement plans, don't get fixated on the idea that you need all these tax deductions for retirement plans. That's not their main, well, that is their main perk, but there's other ways to use it for the future. And where I'm going with that is like, when let's say we, we're talking about a 401k. There's a very popular, um, the first thing you should know, they are significantly less expensive than you may think. If you, if you don't have employees in your business, you can set up what's called a solo 401k, depending on what you're trying to do. If you don't need any fancy bells and whistles to it, it can be extremely affordable, literally extremely affordable. So what's important to understand about these 401ks is that there's two components to it or two options to it. You could have a traditional 401k, which you've heard of. You probably had at a former job where you get a tax deduction for the money you put in as the employee. Maybe the company matches, maybe they don't. That's not the point of this. That's a traditional 401k. 
you're going to get a tax deduction on the way in. You talk to Wall Street, they're going to say, pick that one. Take the tax deduction because that's what we're going to sell you. <clears throat> but you could also, in a regular 401k that we just talked about, you could switch to what's called the Roth 401k option. Now, you may or may not know of like a regular traditional IRA versus a Roth IRA. Um, again, this there could be full podcast just on these two, but I want to briefly cover a traditional IRA. There's a tax deduction. A Roth IRA, you do not get a tax deduction. But when you pull the money out tax in retirement, it's tax free. So there's a lot of strategy to potentially put money that's Roth money, meaning no tax deduction, into an account now, and you don't touch it for 40 years, and then you don't pay any taxes on the way out. So again, that's where a perfect example where you might be like, okay, I'm a, I'm a coach making 200 grand um, in my 20s. So I the way my business is growing in 10 years, my business is going to be doing maybe a million dollars, let's say. Yet, the amount of money that you paid in the $200,000 bracket versus when you're in the million dollar bracket is going to be significantly different. So if you're putting dollars away today in the current tax bracket, let's say it's lower because of income, 40 years from now, if you pull it out, chances are you'll, you're, from an income perspective, you'll be in a much higher bracket. So that's how you would save over a lifetime. Um, to use extreme examples, if people had put their crypto in a Roth IRA, again, maybe, they've, maybe they're in the 32% tax bracket, let's say, um, and they're putting their crypto into the Roth IRA. Whatever that grew to for them, and if they pull it out, um, well, I shouldn't say pull it out because there'd be penalties, but if they sold it inside of their Roth and then for hypothetical purposes, let's say they moved to cash, so it's going to stay at whatever rate it already grew to, um, they're not going to ever pay taxes on that again. Um, so those are things to look at. And again, from a strategic perspective, I don't have a crystal ball on this, but one of the reasons... I'm spending this much time talking about the difference between a traditional 401k versus a Roth 401k is that as we're sitting today in 2021, we have the Trump tax brackets. Whether you love him or hate him, these are historic low tax brackets. Um, I wish I had the statistic in front of me, but um, right now, I think if you made 200,000, I wish I had prepare that one for this podcast, but this same equivalent tax bracket, if you made uh, the equivalent of $100,000 when you were, I'm going to butcher it, but basically um, the tax brackets we're in now are basically half of what they were, um, I believe as late as 1981. Don't quote me on that. But my point is that even if interest rates go, or tax brackets go up a little bit next year, we're still in historic low tax brackets. So depending on who takes over in Washington over the next couple of decades, the brackets could be significantly higher. It's my personal opinion that they're going to have to go higher because we're spending money like crazy because of COVID and someone's going to have to pay for that. So that's my opinion. And there's no factual basis behind that. It's just 
you know, looking at historic trends and the, the amount of money we're spending. So form your own opinion on that. But that's one of the reasons that I personally am looking at some of these strategies like, well, I, maybe I do want to pay taxes today and not tomorrow, yeah. uh, hypothetically speaking. So to get back to, to number seven, the retirement plan, you have options with 401k. Again, if, if you're doing a traditional 401k, that's going to give you a tax deduction. If you're going to do a Roth IRA, that will not give you a tax deduction. But when you pull the money out in retirement with the Roth, you pay nothing. You pull the money out tax-free. If you use a traditional 401k, that's when you pay the piper. You get to retirement, and that's what Wall Street sells the most, saying, hey, you're going to be the lowest tax brackets of your life once you hit retirement. Again, business owners, we're not thinking that way. We're not saying, oh, that'd be really cool if I was broke in retirement and I just had all this income when I was young. That's not, no one's planning for that in, in my world. Um, so, but I don't, I purposely don't live in the Wall Street world where they, they speak to the employee mindset. And that's nobody listening to this. So that's something to consider adding a retirement plan. Now, the caveat to that, now that I just went all in on saying, don't listen to Wall Street, there's a caveat to that. And that's number eight. There's something called uh, qualified business deduction right now. And qualified business income deductions, but it's QBI. Uh, QBID, I guess, is what some people call it. But the point is, under the Trump tax code, all business owners were given the, what's called a 20% tax deduction, um, depending on what type of business you are and your income. So it's a really nice perk. And this is a number that you should look at because it's not available to all income brackets. So again, I know what you guys are. So there's a phase out if you are a service business owner. Everyone listening to this, if you're a fitness entrepreneur, you're a service business. I'm a financial planner for fitness professionals. I'm also a service business. So I have to look at this for, <coughs> excuse me. I have to look at this for all my clients. And you should be looking at it for yourself. So if you're single and you're near this, so let me back up. The point is you want to qualify for this QBI if there's a chance that you can, because it's a, again, it's a 20% discount on your money. Not all your money, but again, I'm not going to get into the details of this one. Again, speak to your accountant because there's a ton of different caveats to this, but it's a really great deduction if you can, if you're near it, you want to get it. So where I'm, where I'm going with that is this, if you're single the most, if you go over $214,900, you lose this completely. If you're between one sixty four nine hundred and two fifteen, then you get a percentage of it because there's like the, all these phase out calculations. Um, so, and then the same numbers, if you're married, go from three twenty nine and change to four twenty nine. So, where I'm going with that again, I'm going to use an example of if you are married. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. I'm going to use the example if you're single. If you're right on the cusp and you're listening to this, you say, okay, well, I do make, after everything, my profit of my business was, let's just say, 
So again, I said the upper limit is two, call it 215. Again, I don't want to get into the details and throw everybody off with the numbers. Um, so make it simple. If you're at 230 of profit in your business and you remember, hey, Pat said I can't make more than 215 if I want to get this thing. Now you're in a situation where you would say, okay, I need a tax deduction because not just would I save money on that 15000 in this hypothetical example, but now I drop into getting this QBI. And now I, so I get a percentage of it. So there can be a double whammy on your ability to save on taxes. So then you might be sitting there again with your tax planning professional and saying, and they ran the projection like, oh, yikes, you're at 230. We're really close. Let's find things. And, and you've already done a lot of what we talked about. Like, okay, I already prepaid some stuff. Um, I already uh, went out to dinner with coworkers that are um, part of my business. We did all that stuff. And then you say, all right, well, I was going to do a Roth 401k, but in this scenario, maybe I consider a traditional 401k because I need a $19,000 deduction. Um, so again, those are the conversations you have with a tax planning person because in 2020, maybe you ran the same numbers and you're like, it's a no-brainer. We do the Roth. 2021, you're like, okay, we this does not make sense. We need to do it differently. And again, I'm not just talking about um, one strategy fits all because there are certain things like if you've already started doing the Roth, it might be a nightmare to unwind it. But if you're doing year-end tax planning, again, there's inside of these 401ks, there's matching components, there's profit sharing. There's, there's a lot of things you can do that you can find out what this number is and proactively make your taxes better or worse. So I'll use number eight, this QBI deduction, as another example of paying more taxes because, again, depending on where you lean politically, this 20% is very favorable to the right. I personally love it. Um, I think it was great that Trump did this. But it's probably going to go away at some point because the left doesn't like this deduction. So my where I'm going with that is it may make sense to push dollars into this QBI deduction because you're like, okay, I'm only paying in theory. Again, don't this isn't the pure math, but in theory, you're only paying 80 cents on the dollar by pushing more money into this tax bracket. So something to consider, it's a really great deduction. And if you're, if you're listening to this and you're significantly higher on the income scale, this may not be applicable to you. But again, a lot of the things we talked about before, the other advantages for you that, um, well, I'll save that for number 10, but hold that thought if you're, if you're a high income earner. All right, now number nine, similar to what it, we've just been talking about. This is Roth conversions. Now, you might be thinking, oh, I thought those are for retirees. And they're very popular to be spoken about with retirees because retirees have been fed that, that misconception like, oh, you're going to be in your lowest tax years in retirement. And then they get into retirement and they, have, they get hit with what's called a required minimum distribution. So if you're not familiar with that, that's how you can potentially throw off all your tax planning in retirement because 
all those millions of dollars you've been stocking away into your 401k and all these other retirement vehicles, if they're pre-tax, like a 401k is, like a traditional IRA is, you hit age 72 and the IRS forces you to start liquidating those retirement accounts. So if you're in retirement and you have multi-millions in your retirement accounts, which you you should, because again, like you listen to Wall Street, and they said, put everything away pre-tax. So in those scenarios, now you start to um, be forced to do liquidations. So it's very common for a smart financial planner to say, let's do Roth conversions. But those are not just for retirees. And again, everything I just talked about with the amazing Trump tax codes, depending on where you live, these are especially great tax codes if you don't live in New York and California and New Jersey where the state taxes are high and that deduction got reduced. But that's a, that's a separate podcast as well. So where I'm going with this is Roth conversions, again, we just talked about we're in historic low tax brackets. So it may make sense that if you've got however much money that you've been stocking away for the last few years into your traditional IRAs that, you know, again, you've been listening to CNBC and you're like, hey, well, I was just filling them up. I didn't know. This may be a year to talk to your tax professional and say, well, what if I rolled all that into my Roth this year? What would the tax consequences be? Because again, you might feel like you're paying a lot of taxes because you might push yourself into the 32% tax bracket or whatever the case may be, maybe even the 35% tax bracket. But, excuse me, you would be doing so strategically. So, think, and, the, and the logic behind that would be, well, if I push money into this tax bracket and the tax brackets are in theory going up, then I'm paying now at a discount to put it into a vehicle where I'll never pay taxes again. And again, you may even be thinking to yourself, well, I've got all this money in my IRA that I was about to buy crypto with. If you think crypto is going to the moon, you would want to talk to a tax person and say, how do I do this in a Roth, not inside of a traditional IRA? Because if you put, again, I'm just using hypothetical, let's say you, you put 50 grand into your crypto strategy and it goes to 500,000 like you hope it does. If you did that in a Roth, you already pay taxes. You don't pay again. If you did that in a traditional IRA, you haven't paid any taxes. Now you owe taxes on 500 grand. So again, the argument that, yeah, it's good that, that you can, if you're paying a lot of taxes, it means you're making a lot of money. That's true. And I agree with that. But if you had the opportunity to do it in a Roth, you should strategically try to do things like that. So again, I'm not talking, this is not advice on crypto, whether you think it's going to the moon or going to zero, I don't care. I'm just talking about if you think it's still, if you think you're about to invest in something that's going to have a very high chance of appreciation and you have the opportunity to do it in a vehicle like a Roth, most tax professionals would say, yeah, that's the way to do it. So that was number nine. Consider a Roth conversion if you had Again, you may even just have lower income for whatever reason. Maybe you spent all this year building infrastructure of your business. Maybe you've hired, maybe you have a marketing team now, whatever it is, you might be at historic low income to you. Like the revenue for your company could have doubled in 2021, but you personally might be taking home less profit because you're growing a business infrastructure. So again, you, you sit down with your tax professional and they might be like, hey, this is one of your lowest 
tax years ever, don't necessarily take that as an opportunity to be down on yourself. There's strategic opportunities, and one of them could be a Roth conversion. We're like, okay, I'm at, I'm at historically low tax brackets personally. Because again, like let's say hypothetically last year you made $500,000. This year you're only going to make $200,000 because you built a team. Use that as an opportunity to potentially push more income into that lower bracket you're in, potentially through a Roth conversion. And then next year, you're going to be back to making half a million a year as your team is, is up and running and humming along and revenue is has, let's just say, doubled again just for hypothetical purposes. Now you're back to 500. You're going to be glad that you filled up that bracket in the Roth conversion then. Again, this is there's no crystal ball to this. That's why there's a strategy. There's an art to this. All right. Now, number 10. This is a big one. Your business entity. We talked about it earlier. I didn't want to dive into it then. I sort of mentioned it with like the health insurance and the home office deduction. Your business entity. Most people listening to this, they're not going to be C-Corp. So delete that off of our, our minds for the time being. If you're a sole proprietorship or an LLC, from a tax perspective, you're the same thing. A one-member LLC or a sole proprietorship, from, a, from the IRS's opinion, you're identical. So there, there's the ability to use the LLC has more legal protections. And there's also a lot of advantages with um, the ability to have a business bank account. I don't want to get into that. But the point is, if you are a sole proprietorship and you're like, oh, I switched to an LLC, I'll have tax savings. Um, you've been misinformed by your whoever set that up for you. But when your entity that you're considering is an S-corp, there's a potential for tax savings, potential for huge tax savings. So to give you a brief rundown, an S-corp is, it helps you save on self-employment taxes. Um, again, I won't go into the details of it because there could be its own podcast on why there's a lot of advantages to an S-corp, but you pay 15.3% self-employment taxes. This is what gets a lot of new entrepreneurs in trouble because they hear on the news like, oh, the tax brackets are low. They're only 20% or or 22% or 24%. And then they get a huge tax bill and they're like, what the hell? That's because on top of that number is 15.3%. Usually your employer has been withholding that for you. Now you work for yourself. So you have to pay all of it. And so hypothetically, just use more simple numbers. If you have $100,000 of profit not even your talk. We're not talking about your federal taxes. We're talking about your self-employment taxes. They're they're considered separate. You're going to owe fifteen thousand dollars or fifteen thousand three hundred. If you want to be specific, on that hundred thousand dollars. If you chose to be an S corp, and now again you have to do certain things. Like you have to. There's some complexity to it, but um, as you cross over fifty thousand in profit, which again most people listening to this are probably significantly higher than that. So if you haven't been told about this yet. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to say fire your person, but get some, get some second opinions. Like, Hey, why, why aren't we running analysis on what an S corp could do for me? But talk to your tax person and say, and I, do it this year before the end of the year. What would the advantages be for me to be an S corp? Run that number. Now the caveat is they have to give you a reasonable salary. And on that salary, you, you still have to pay your self-employment taxes. But anything above that, you do not. You get out of that. 
So there can be tremendous savings, like literally 10, 12,000. There's this huge savings opportunities for S-Corps. So that's why I said like number 10 tax strategy is be in the right business entity. Again, there's a lot of paperwork that you need to do. Like, you know, check the boxes and you, to be an S-Corp. You got to pay yourself a salary, do all this stuff. But the juice is worth a squeeze for most entrepreneurs. Um, so that's number 10. Um, now, I'll give you a bonus one, number 11 here. But um, I know we said we we're just going to do 10 in this episode. It's starting to run long. But um, I want you fit pros out there paying as little taxes as possible. So you can keep it. Again, throughout your your life, taxes are most likely your biggest expense. Um, I work with fitness entrepreneurs. I see their profit margins. You guys have the ability to run very high profit businesses. So that means your biggest vendor is the IRS. So let's do our best to, to give them as little as possible legally. So here's your bonus one. You are required to have a board meeting anyway. This is this this is not legal advice, but this is where more a lawyer would be telling you this. If you are a business entity like an LLC or an S corp, you should be doing annual meeting minutes. Now, in doing so, what do you talk about in that meeting? Like, there's there's a lot. I'm not going to get into that. But where I'm going with that is if you where you do this meeting and all the record keeping and everything you need to do, it's a legitimate business expense. So you might have people that consult you in your business. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's it's friends and you want to go visit them in Hawaii. But you're legitimately going to hold a meeting. Maybe, maybe you're on Zoom and other people are elsewhere. But if you're legitimately holding this meeting, where it is could be a, a business deduction. Um, now, if you're going to be somewhere for like a week and this is just one day of it, you can't deduct your hotel for the whole thing. But your travel to get there could be. So this one could be huge because you might every year you and your significant other might take a really nice vacation. Make that your annual board meeting. You know, I'm recording this in December 2021. So you might have, <coughs> excuse me, you might have already um, taken your, your big vacation for the year or maybe you got the holidays coming up and you legitimately consult your family um, about your business. Um, make that, like record all the things you need to record. Um Talk to your professional and say, hey, what do I need to do to make this legit? But the travel expenses for this annual board meeting is deductible. So that's it, guys. That's 11 strategies that you could use. And again, I I can't emphasize enough that there's they're relatively simple, but how they all weave together is something that you should be speaking with professional on. I mean, this is what we do every day for fitness entrepreneurs. We're looking at the big picture. One, let's try to pay as little taxes as possible over a lifetime, incorporating in what their actual goals are. Um, you know, we didn't even get into the things like if you have members of your family that could be in the business. Like, And I purposely didn't get into those because they're just much more complex but there's strategies for pushing income to different family members, looking at what your personal assets are doing, strategically taking gains or losses there. Like this is what tax planning is. It's looking at a 360 degree view of your entire financial life. And if you're a business owner, the majority of the focus is right there. You know, because again, if you're making three or four hundred thousand dollars in your business, 
there's a lot of things you can look at inside the business. I harp on it all the time on why I think it's horrible advice when you have a financial investment person that just stares at your personal investments. And then you have some business experts that just look at your business. And you don't know who to ask the right questions to because depending on who you ask, they may have a sole focus on what your business is doing and that's where all their advice will be. Um, I, I know from my personal experience when I was right out of college, I had a little a side business doing, uh, I call it event planning to, to sound mature, but it was a beer pong business. <laughs> and it was a beer pong tournament business. Um, but at the time I had a CPA who looked at my personal taxes. I had a W-2 job at the time, so that's basically where his focus was. And I had a financial advisor, and all he did was look at my personal life and sold me insurance policies I didn't need because I was 22 and didn't have anyone financially depending on me. So other than that, crap. But my point is they were zero help to me in my business because they did not work with business owners and we didn't have these conversations. We weren't bringing up what's going on on the other side of my life. Um, and that's where I most needed their help because, again, regardless of the fact that the guy was selling me bullshit um, insurance policies for a young 20-something-year-old, but what he was doing, which was good advice, he was helping me funnel as much of my, like, my W-2 income into my retirement accounts. But as an entrepreneur at that age, what I really needed was that cash flow in my business. He had no idea, so his good intention advice was screwing me. And that could possibly be happening to you as well when you don't have someone who's looking at the other side of your business. So I'm going to wrap this up. Again, this, I'm recording this in December. Heed this advice. I don't, I don't care who you work with. You should not be doing your own taxes as a business owner because I went through 11 today. I go through my clients. I think I don't know what the list is up to. I think there's like 56 or so different points in the filter going through their tax situation. And again, that's running through their personal life, their business, all of it. Seeing where we can get taxes as strategic as possible so they pay as little as possible over time. So if someone's not helping you with this, please stop using TurboTax or whatever because you Whatever you think is expensive, I forget what the saying is. Like, if you think you're, I think if, if you think your accountant is too expensive, try using a bad one or something like that. I don't know how it goes, but you get the idea that good advice isn't cheap, but a good tax planner, quote unquote, works for free because they're going to find you ways to strategically pay less. So, all right, guys, hopefully you have great holidays. And if this has been helpful, please share this episode. I, I really want this to get to as many fitness professionals as possible because a lot of the ones I talk to, whether they end up working with me or not, I feel like they don't understand the tax world. And more importantly, they're not always reaching out. The misconception is, oh, I have an accountant, so this is all being squared away. And if this entire episode hasn't been helpful, you probably throughout this entire time that you've been listening be like, no one's ever told me that before. If that's the case, or you're like, no one's ever brought that up to me. My account didn't bring that up to me. Well, you need to speak with someone who's going to be proactively going through this. Like they, they should be running the numbers of like this time of year, they should be like looking at what your business is doing, what you're projected to finish the year at and 
understanding where you will be tax-wise so that all the things we just discussed, we could see if they are important. Because again, what we just said, like from a tax planning perspective, you might be saying to yourself, um, like let, like say number five, when we talked about prepaying expenses, I don't, I don't know if I emphasize this enough when we talked about number five, you might be saying to yourself, um, next year we have all these offers coming out. Like next year is going to be a really good year. You might not want to do number five, like prepaying expenses. You might be like, damn, I need all the, exp- the expenses and deductions I can get in 2022. Again, another reason why I'm saying you strategically might be paying more. Be like, you know what? I really need every deduction I can get next year because I'm going to be making $100,000, dollars $300,000 more than I did this year. And I'm going to be in all the top tax brackets, which again is great. But you might not want to be aggressively deducting everything you can this year when you know that some of those expenses you can wait. You know, like if, if you're going to go on a, um, a mastermind trip for $20,000 – and you could pay now or you could pay January 2nd, you might strategically be like, okay, I need that expense in January. I don't need it in December. So again, these are the conversations you should be having with someone. You're not going to likely have those if you, no one's going to be asking you those questions that you don't know to ask yourself if you try to use the the budget TurboTax or something like that. So I can't emphasize that enough. Um, so I hope this is helpful, Fit Pros and if you need my help with any of this, please reach out. Um, all my socials, you guys know, at Pat Darby Biz is my Instagram. I use uh, DarbyBA.com is my website. It's not that great the website. I need to get it upgraded. But uh, on Instagram, I'm, I'm really active. You can DM me. We can hop on a call. And if you get that in before probably like the 15th of December, I'm, hopefully you've heard this by then. Um, I'll be able to potentially rush through and get you a full tax plan if you decide to work with me. So hope this is helpful. You guys make it a great week. Bye now. Thank you for joining us this week on Building Your Wealth Muscle. Make sure you visit our website, darbyba.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. While you're at it, if you found value, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us as well. For more information on the topics covered, you can follow Pat on Instagram, at PatDarbyBiz. The download from this episode is available in the show notes. And if you want help building your wealth specifically, Pat Darby is currently taking private clients. The link to book a call is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.